To be a wordsmith is defined as a person who writes, an author, a journalist, a person who commits their thoughts to paper. But I believe it is so much more. The ability to craft a story, to change lives, to transport the ordinary life to an extraordinary place, to put words on paper and awaken the imagination in ways the reader never dreamed possible. Yes, to have the ability to see what isn't there and make you see it too. To awaken the senses in new and amazing ways. To feel a cool breeze on a hot summer day on your cheeks. To smell wildflowers as they bloom. To taste the delicacy on a foreign soil. To feel like you've never felt before. Touching places long forgotten. Connecting with your souls in new ways. That's what writers do. It's my pleasure to host Speaking of Writing, a new podcast. Speaking of Writing is open for authors from all over the world. This gives us an opportunity to broaden our experiences, to hear actual writers' voices, hear what inspires them, experience their trials and struggles, and realize that we all have a story and they are all worth telling. I hope you enjoy this. And this is Rose Cushing, and I am the host of Speaking of Writing podcast. And today we travel to Southern Ohio. My guest is Leslie McDonald, and she has a new book out that's geared for youth called Horse on the Loose. But I think you're going to love learning about her and this book, and I know I can't wait to read it. So, Leslie, tell me a little bit about you. Well, I've been writing for many, many years. I started way back in my college days when I started writing poetry. And then when I was a senior at DePaul University, I got into an independent writing class to write a book. And my instructor was a wonderful woman named Elizabeth Chrisman, who'd been a um, an author's agent in New York for years and years. And when she retired, she wanted to become a professor to help young writers. So I was her very first student. And she was very nice to get me a contract with God Meeting Company for Tic Tac, which was the first book. And so I was very excited when I graduated college to have a contract for a book. And then after Tic Tac, um, life kind of took over. I got married. I'm a professional horse trainer. I used to also teach figure skating. And with my first husband, I moved nine times in 24 years. So writing kind of took a backseat. There wasn't a lot of time for it. But um, when I got back into it, um, I have a, a I was had a mare that we were trying to breed, and I have a friend who's a vet up in Columbus, and my vet wasn't being very successful. And Meredith said, "Well, I have some ideas. Why don't you try this?" And like magic, my mare got pregnant. And I said, "My gosh, you should write a book." And she said, "Well, I can't write. I know all the knowledge, but I can't write." And I said, "Well, I can write." So I pulled my friend out of the closet, and we wrote a book together called Making Magic, which is about my journey making this foal. And that was also published by Half Halt Press. And after that, I just started writing again and really got the bug to write. So, so far, I've written, this is my sixth book. That's fantastic. And what a cool title, Making Magic. I love that. Yeah, I remember we had, she, she had a really easy birth, but then the foal wouldn't nurse. And we had like a team of four of us trying to get the man to accept the foal and the foal to nurse. And gradually, as the day went on, one person dropped off, and it got better and better. And I was sitting outside the stall with a single light on, watching the mare, and she finally accepted the foal, and she was standing over the foal and licking the foal, and I thought, this is truly magic. So that's where the name Making Magic came from. 
I, I'm a horse breeder too. And I, I love that because they are magic. Every single one's different and every single one is magic. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have a, right now I have, well, he just turned two, but I bought this colt uh, when he was three months old for my 70th birthday. What do people do on their 70th birthday? They go and buy a baby horse. Hey, <laughs> I, I just bought two and I'm 66. But my friend, well, my friend that's my mentor said, Rose, when we quit dreaming, we quit living. So I said, you're right. I'm going to live forever. Absolutely. Let's go. Absolutely. <laughs> so you have to live forever to keep up with them. They keep you young. I agree 100%. And they make you happy. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. So you, you wrote Making Magic and Tic Tac. Now, what was your next book? The next book was called Down the Aisle, and it was a um, an autobiography about my journey down the horse aisle. And it's basically a study of all the different people who I was blessed to know in my life who influenced who I am today. And it, it's a, a great journey. It was a very enjoyable book to write. And after that, I wrote Musings of a Horse Farm Corgi. And it's the story of a fluffy corgi. And fluffy corgis are corgis that have a genetic flaw, that they have a really long, fluffy coat. But in the old days, in Wales, the farmers would drown them because they couldn't work in the fields because it, the birds would get stuck in the coat. So now, um, and they can't be AKC registered as far as being showing and things like that. So this is a story of a fluffy corgi who decides to overcome the curse of the fluffy and become corgi in charge of a working horse farm. And it's the story of my little corgi, Beamer, and uh, his journey in being in charge of the farm. And it was a really, really fun book to write. And Beamer had times when he was very aloof. But when I swear, whenever I sat down to write, he would find me in my office and he would sit beside me. And when I was done writing, he'd just get up and he'd leave. And I think, well, I guess I'm done now. <laughs> and he was a wonderful little guy. He went on all my book signings with me and he'd sit at the table and he, people would be interested. He'd hold out his paw and shake his hand and they'd buy a book. It's great. <laughs> oh, that is so cool. Yeah. And then the next one is called Journeys with Horses, and that's a collection of short stories. Again, interesting people that I've met through my career with horses, um, and uh, great character sketches. And then this current one is Horse on the Loose. Now tell me a little bit about Horse on the Loose. Well, Horse on the Loose is a story of the Mighty Quinn, who was a very famous show jumper. He was purchased for a young girl to be a schoolmaster, and she learned her way up through the ladder and won lots of blue ribbons. And he finally got to the age where he was too old to compete and win, so they retired him. Well, he didn't quite understand what retirement meant, and his owner disappeared from the barn one day. She told him she was going to college, but he didn't know what college meant, so he thought she abandoned him. And he decides to take it upon himself to escape the stable and search for a perfect home where someone was going to love him. And so this is a story of his journeys, running through golf courses and city streets and the police chasing him in suburban areas and um, his journey to find true love. And it's a fun story. It's a happy ending in the story. And one of the reasons for writing this is since I've had horses for over 50 years and I've seen a lot of them come and go and retired a lot of them. And... I hope it gives people a perspective on a retired horse that they still have so much value and so much love to give. Because so often in this society, we're a throwaway society. And, well, he can't do it anymore. We'll just sell him. And then those horses just kind of go down the ladder and down the ladder. And they lose their value and they lose the people that love them. So it's important to me that maybe when the, the mothers and fathers read to their children, they remember those horses that were special to them and have a special place in their heart for them. Absolutely. I think that's going to be a great read for a lot of kids and a good lesson. 
I hope so. I hope so. He's a very he's a very engaging, very independent, very cute horse. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and all the reasons you fell in love with him are still there. You just got to look. Yeah, and I I modeled. I had a wonderful, wonderful horse that went to Grand Prix. I'm a dressage trainer uh, named Tusklin. And um, I had him till he was 28 years old. And he was a, kind of a curmudgeon character. And so I modeled this horse after Tusklin. It, it was nice to have a real-life model to model the character after. Absolutely. Now, on your journey writing, how long did it take you to write the average books since you've written Write Me? Oh, because I do so many other things, um, it takes a while. And I find these these books that have chapters that can finish at the end of a chapter is the best way for me to write, rather than trying to write a novel where you have to progress with the characters through so many pages. Because I can write really intensely, but then if I have to leave it for a while for my work in the stable, um, it's something I can pick up again because right. then I had the next character. So for me, that works the best. So I can't really put a timetable on anything. If I have a deadline, I can make a deadline. But otherwise, it's more of a pleasure at the end of the day. It's something I can do. Very good. That's a good style of writing. Now, what would you say your largest obstacle in writing and completing your book has been for you? Time. Time. Finding the time. Yes. I have the idea. I have, I have several started on my desk, but finding the time, because I think if you can't give it a, a good chunk of time, when you see, you can't write for 15 minutes or 20 minutes. You have to get out of where you are and get into who your characters are. So finding time is, is very difficult with having a working horse farm and, and all the things that go with that. Absolutely. And so did you publish your books yourself, or did you go through a publisher, or have you done both? I've had three that have been published, and I've had three that are self-published. Um, the self-published ones did really well, but down the aisle book, there's a large uh, equine nutrition company up in Michigan called Euclid Health and Nutrition, uh-huh. and they love the book, and so they made it the whole theme for a year for their company. They put their trade show booth, they designed it around the book. I'd go and do book signings when they do trade shows. Um, I started a story writing contest with them called Down the Aisle Stories with Euclid. And every month I'd encourage people to submit stories and we'd pick a story of the month. And at the very end of the year, we picked the story of the year. So that was, that was really fun with that book. That's really interesting. And what a great yeah. way to market it, you know, kind of out of the box approach to it. So smart. Very yeah, smart. I, I was very fortunate with that. Very fortunate with that. Um, but yeah, they, they've all kind of had a different way to come around. The Musings of the Horse Farm Corgi book was hugely successful, I think, because of the topic and the corgi and all. And so just for fun, I sent a copy of the book to the Queen of England, and I got a letter back that she loved the book. And I have that on my wall. Oh, that's I'm a big so cool. Profile. Yeah, it was really cool. I was very excited. The, um, when the letter came, it was stamped from Buckingham Palace. I thought, oh, my goodness, I'm hearing from the Queen. So <laughs> that, was very, that was very special. That doesn't happen every day. That's so awesome. What yeah, a that is yeah, it is. So, so for marketing your book, how do you think is the best approach? Because marketing a book is the hardest thing. I've done tons of things in my life, TV shows, equine expos. I do three podcasts. And when it came time to market my book, that was really yeah. tough because there's not much profit margin. So how? Yeah. what advice would you give people up to on a strategy that works? Well, it's really hard. And when I wrote the first books, there wasn't the internet and there wasn't things like that. So you'd go out and you'd reach out to the tax stores and the bookstores. 
and you had this really personal contact, and I found that was really successful. But now, those stores really aren't carrying books anymore because of the internet. People buy from Amazon, they buy cheaper from Amazon, and so that venue is, is pretty much shut off to authors. Um, so you've got to have a gimmick, as Gypsy Rosalie would say, and it, it's hard to find that. Um, I have a bunch of signings coming up right now at different tax stores. Um, so that's a good way to go. You go in and you meet people and you can do the book festivals, but it's really difficult. If you, if you plan on writing to make a living, if you're a small writer, I don't think that's the way to go. I think you have to write because it's your passion and hope that people find your book and enjoy your book. And, and maybe something clicks like my down the aisle book where somebody gets intrigued by it and picks it up that way. But I think it's really, really the most difficult thing for authors. You have this beautiful book in your hand. You're so excited and your friends and relatives buy it. And then you say, okay, now what? Right. Um, and you, you've got to be really internet savvy. I am not really internet savvy. I am, I am an old school horse person. So um, you do the best you can. I talk to people like you. You get the word out as much as you can. And um, you cross your fingers and you hope. That that's actually very true. I mean, I, I there's no better way to market it than I have found either. And one of the things that I think people overlook is that when your book's been out, you know, they feel like the window is ninety days. But yes. there's there's several billion people in the world. Everybody has not seen your ad in ninety days. So I think right. I think you should never quit marketing a book because it's been on the market a while. I think that there's buyers out there, regardless of how long it's been published, and that you just, if it's, you change it up a little bit each time so that you can reach a different audience. And you have to find that you have to be concise in your message because people are barraged today by so much information that you have maximum 30 seconds to capture their attention. So if you don't have an engaging graphic or you don't have an engaging phrase line, they're going to buzz right through it to the next thing that comes up. Absolutely. It's kind of like a book file that somebody's spinning with all the things that are out there. And for somebody to catch that one card that says, hey, this is who this person is and this is what it is, you've just got to find a gimmick that reaches out to them. I think that's a good idea. Can you share uh, a gimmick that you've used in the past so that people's minds, their wheels will start turning? Well, I don't know. Like I say, um, put clever ads, short lines of um, copy, a great graphic to catch people so they see the graphic and they say, oh, I wonder what that's about. And then maybe they read on. And don't overwhelm them with words. As few words as possible to say your message. And it's, it's the same thing with writing, doing a book. Don't overwhelm them with words. Good, short, concise phrases and sentences. That That's very true. I, I used to sell magazine advertising, and we had a saying that the new salespeople would grab you by the collar and tell you everything they knew and scare the customer to death, you know. So it takes a while to find that right amount. You know, you want to whet their appetite, but you don't want to feed them. <laughs> Let them want it. <laughs> Is book signings, particularly now, if I go to a tax store and they've promoted, I've got a lovely one coming up with Dover, our local Dover, um, next weekend. And they put a beautiful promotion out. They're going to have uh, snacks. They're going to give people a $10 gift certificate for attending. That was really nice. So that, yeah. that is a work for me. But I went to a book festival last weekend, and it was 35 authors, generic titles, and people just kind of walk in and wander. So you have to kind of catch their eye and say, hey, it's a beautiful day. Or do you like horses? Do you like dogs? Find some phrase to draw them in. Good idea. Common ground. Yeah, don't wait for them to reach to you. You have to reach to them. 
That, that's a very, very good point. Well, so you've accomplished a lot of things in your life, and I, I know I know that you have big plans for the future. So, what is on your bucket list going forward with your writing? Um. Well, once this book goes, um, I've decided I'm going to write a cute short story. This is a cute, this is very cute. This just happened this week. I was teaching in the barn, and down my barn aisle walks a homing pigeon. He just struts down the aisle. One of the girls saw him. He came from the road. He walked, I have a, I sit back maybe almost a half a mile. He walked all the way down my driveway. He walked into the barn. I had a pen that was an open gated pen, and my Labrador was in there laying on a, a poof pillow. And the bird walked into the pen where the Labrador was and stood there. Wow. I thought, okay. And the Labrador didn't even look at us. So, so much for being a bird dog. But anyhow, so we, we, we gathered the bird up, and I said, well, okay, you don't belong here. And I took him outside, and I tried to kind of launch him back into the air, and he said no. And so he walked around my barn and came in another entrance and came right back to the same place. <laughs> I thought, it was very strange. So we caught the bird that night, and we looked, and he was banded. He was a racing pigeon. Mm-hmm. And we tracked him down through the National Registry, and they can tell you by the numbers where the bird came from. Well, he came from Upper Marlboro, Maryland, and he was all the way here to so we got the owner's number. I called the owner. He said, well, the bird was at a race in Ohio, and a lot of birds hadn't come home. And, you know, he might just feel big. He didn't look sick. He just didn't want to fly. So we kept him for several days. I had him in a cat carrier, and every time a horse was out of a stall, I'd put him in the stall. I'd open the cat carrier, and he was eating great and drinking great. He'd let me pick him up. He was very sweet. And so everybody decided, oh, you've got to keep him. And I did all this research on homing pigeons and their history and how they're the smartest of all the birds. Fascinating. And um, last night, I put him in another stall, opened the door, he got up on the cage, and I thought, okay, before my lesson, I'm going to get his stool. I'm going to go and sit down and bond with this bird because obviously this bird's staying with us. And he was gone. Wow. He's thrown away. Just like that. I called the owner. I gave him my phone number. And he said, well, let's give him a week to come back. And if he comes back, I'll, I'll call you. He said, he may come back to you because he's only envisioned he liked it there and you'll have a pet. So I think I'm going to write a short story about that. It was quite an experience. And all it just everybody in the barn really connected with this cute little bird. You know, they weigh a pound. That was fluffy. But yeah, I think that's what I'm going to write next. But I also have the next book I want to write is, is called As the Manure Spreader Turns. And it's going to have a graphic on the front of a manure spreader and all these different types of people being thrown up the back of the manure spreader. Yeah. And it's going to be about these crazy people that sell us There you go. That'll be fun. Your ideas are so impressive. I, I really can't wait to read your whole collection. Thank you. I hope you do that. Well, they're all on Amazon. <laughs> that's why I was just going to ask you is tell us how to, to find your books and how we can order them. They're all on Amazon. And, and uh, Are you on so, Facebook so folks can follow you? I'm on Facebook. I'm at um, fcfarm.com. F is in Frank, C is in Cat Farm. And my, my farm is Full Cry Farm. Okay. All right. Well, I've enjoyed talking with you today, and I appreciate your time very much. And for you folks listening, you know, order Leslie's books. Christmas is coming up. She's got a big variety of stuff. And if you have a horse person in your life, you know they're going to love it. So thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.